Ken, yeah. we got to put you on the spot one more time if you do like an ID for us. Oh, uh, like the old radio station IDs. You know, this is John Aston. Maybe and- capital idea. <laughs> Hello, this is John Aston, and you are listening to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal, creepy, kooky, mysterious, spooky, altogether ooky podcast. Fantastic. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Couldn't ask for better. Thank you. <laughs> it, it was worth the wait. <laughs> for me. We're gonna pay a call on the Adams family. Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co-host Frank Santo Padre and our engineer Frank Verderosa, and our special guest Moisha Wibblewobble. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new one, Moisha Wibblewobble. I, I didn't know where he was going to go this yes. time. He didn't, he didn't use Moisha last time. That's yeah. actually Moisha's my billing on my next three films. So. Yes. <laughs> Michael Weber is here. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for having Michael me back. Michael Weber is back. The man who wore an orange wedge pin to the Oscars. Guys, I had to. Uh, there was a lot of confusion on the red carpet. Uh, because I went to Syracuse University, some people thought I was representing Syracuse oh, Orange. The orange oh, men. wow. I said no. I, I, I did not want them mistaken. It had nothing to do with Syracuse. Uh, you were honoring Cesar Romero's asshole. I, it, it had to be done. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Frankly, I, I'm not sure why the Oscars hadn't done that sooner. Why did it take so long? Will you wear a coffee table pin if you're nominated again? <sighs> you know what? If you guys make that pin, I will definitely wear <laughs> that if I'm somehow that. nominated. Actually, one person stopped me and thought... Um, that, that it was part of like the citrus pickers union because everyone wears political <laughs> pins. Yes. Was, right. Like, no. Cesar it's... Romero, not Cesar Chavez. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Uh, so tell us what you've been up to since we last saw you, my friend. Oh, uh, you know, just uh, getting back to work. Uh, my writing partner, Scott Newsatter, and I, we just adapted this novel, Salt to the Sea, for Universal. That's a, a beautiful World War II story. Um, Great. We also uh, are creating a limited series for Amazon called Daisy Jones and the Six, which is uh, based on a novel that's coming out this year, very soon. Uh, and it's kind of got an, an almost famous vibe. Oh, um, exciting. But yeah, imagine sort of men and women both in the band and, and the messy relationships that come out of that. And uh, we're doing that for Amazon. Sort and, of a uh, Fleetwood Mac kind of yes, dynamic. It's, it's, actually, the book is, is is very loosely based on that dynamic. And uh, there was too much there for a movie. Uh, and we thought, oh, cool. This is a, a great time to be doing the, these sort of longer form stories. And, and Amazon's been an amazing place to work. Is there a part for Gilbert as a weird groupie? <laughs> we should talk a, a yeah. creepy road manager <laughs> we definitely have those oh, yes, yes. <laughs> how creepy can you get yeah. <laughs> this is, it's set in the 70s so we need you to be 70s creepy oh yes so a feature and a limited series yeah we Wonderful. got a few other things in the works as well and uh yes yeah, just keep it busy and thanks you're still uh indulging us you're still listening to the show or, i i have uh never missed an episode that is how about that gilbert I told you guys. I'm a man of, with a career. Yes. 
I'm one of the seven. No, you you haven't listened to a bunch of them, but you never missed them. Yeah. yeah. He never no, hears I, it, so he I, never missed I it. I put them on for my dog to listen to when I go out. Oh, yes. Later on, he tells me that's, the highlights. That's sweet. Yeah. We have some we haven't put up yet that you're going to love, including Gomez Adams, John, John Aston. Oh, that's awesome. And some other good ones. So, uh, Michael, you know, where it's it's time for our, our annual... In memoriam episode, yes, and I th- and Michael and I got to talking on email. I figured you guys invited me because I'm I'm the only possible return guest who won't die in between the stage. <laughs> that's it. When you post <laughs> that's it. it. Well, you could have gotten hit by a truck. That's true. That's on true. The way over. You're also morbid like us, which <laughs> see, we appreciate. See this show. Looking at the people who died, it was. I mean, I felt horrible about the people who died that we didn't interview. I do too. And I felt great about the ones we did. And every so one of like, them that you missed, I felt bad that you had me on because you really could have waited. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. Right now we're kicking ourselves over uh, James Frawley, who was the director of the Muppet movie and the uh, Big Bus and also the Monkey's original director, the TV, oh, wow. the TV and, show. And Tab Hunter Tab would have been a great one. Been incredible. We'll, we'll, we'll kick ourselves as we go through the list and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll point out all the people that... Uh, we missed out on. Who's uh, reaching out to Kirk Douglas now? I mean, guys, that's really... It's... <laughs> but, but Mike and I got to talking about William Goldman over email. Uh, and uh, and then I thought, well, you, he's the perfect guy to have in and sit in as a guest host on In Memoriam. So we're going we're gonna to talk about some of these people. Gil, where do you want to start? I thought we'd start with character actors. Okay, yes, Those absolutely. are the most important people to this show. And uh, John Mahoney. Ugh. Oh my God! Yeah, a good place to start. I grew up on Frasier, really, uh, just an incredible and actor. John Mahoney. Every so many of our actors go back to World War II, and and they had to leave their his family mm-hmm. left their section of it. He was born in England. That's right. And they left there because they got so bombed out by the Nazis. What I thought was so interesting was he didn't try acting till he was thirty-seven. I love that. A late yeah. bloomer. Which is amazing. It goes to show you, you can really have a, a very long, full career and start at any time. You know, and though people know him from Frasier, I mean, he's terrific in those Coen Brothers movies. In uh, uh, which uh, he's in uh, Hudsucker Proxy, and he's in um, Barton Fink. Barton Fink, yeah, yeah. yeah he's I, playing like a Faulkner type a character. Faulkner Barton, type. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was very funny, but in also that. Tin Men and Say Anything and and Eight Men Out and and uh, uh, he won a Tony for House of Blue Leaves and a heartbreaking uh, scene in Moonstruck. Oh yeah, that that really stays with you. Just a terrific actor, and, and apparently much he beloved. Dis- he was discovered by John Malkovich. Yes, Steppenwolf, Mal- Steppenwolf guy. Yeah, so. yeah they, they promoted him, John Malkovich and and, and Sinise. Um, very uh, Kelsey Grammer tweeted something very nice about him. He said he was my father, and I loved him, which I thought was very mm. very sweet. Gilbert, will you be saying things like that about me? When <laughs> <laughs> you say I, he was like a son I'm to me. Say- he he was a father to me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Here's a guy we like. Lee Ermey. R. Lee Ermey. Known, of course, from Full I, Metal Jacket. The drill sergeant, who actually was a drill sergeant. Yes, he was. His That performance still gives me nightmares. He was a staff sergeant and a gunnery sergeant. And a, a real ex-Marine who served in Vietnam. And he had all those great... Well, I remember one of them. He goes, "You look like the type of guy who gets fuck, uh, who fucks it. Oh, you look like the <laughs> type of guy 
who fucks someone up the ass and doesn't have the common decency to give, give him a, a reach around. around. That's it. <laughs> apparently, and somebody, if, if our listeners know better than, than I do, apparently he wrote much of that dialogue. I read that, that too. Kubrick yeah. trusted him to do that. Yeah. That's a, that's a wonderful part. I mean, he jumped off the screen mm. in that movie, and he got himself an acting career. I mean, he, he turned up in uh, in lots of stuff. Toy Story, Saving Silverman, Mississippi, Burning, uh, Seven. Um, he he was also a technical advisor on Apocalypse Now. Right, he was a consultant on a bunch of movies. Yeah, yeah, he was a military consultant, and he even did a movie, I love this, he did a Filipino production. <laughs> he spoke in Tagalog. <laughs> <laughs> Gilbert, do you speak a little Tagalog? Uh, that's the only thing I can speak. So his breakthrough role, yes, was Sergeant uh, Hartman in Full Metal Jacket. I'm bummed you guys didn't have him on the podcast because he might have known where Papillon Susu is. Oh! God damn it! What a connection. Hey, mate, Vince D'Onofrio lives in New York. Maybe he knows where Papillon Susu oh, is. Oh, or Matthew Modine. Let's try them. Okay, we got to put those on the list. Dara, we're on the Papillon hunt. Here's one. Philip Bosco, New York-based actor. You know, Philip Bosco? He was like in in everything. And this connects with someone else. He was in a few of the Neil Simon Broadway shows. Absolutely. Yeah. Won a Tony for Lend Me a Tenor. Uh, Born here. Born in New Jersey. He was one of those actors. Like, for the most part, people don't know him. And he was was well-respected on stage. He was one of the top stage actors. Absolutely. I think he was in 50 Broadway productions. Yeah. And he was in 12 Angry Men and uh, did live television. Yeah. In the 50s and the 60s. Uh, Wonder Boys, The Money Pit, Children of a Lesser God, Working Girl, My Best Friend's Wedding. He's a bus driver. He has a short but memorable scene in a movie that I love called Quick Change. You know oh, this movie? amazing movie. It's With, a yeah. great little dark comedy. Yep. The kind of, you, you and I always talk about the kind of comedies that Hollywood doesn't make uh-huh. anymore. Small, weird, dark comedies. Well, they don't work. The problem is, you know, Hollywood makes fewer comedies now, but the, especially the dark ones, they don't play overseas. They don't play, you know, it, it's, it's so hard nowadays to make a movie like that and somehow turn it into an event. Yeah, even in the 80s, you were getting movies like Ruthless People and... You just don't see this. And uh, throw Mama it, from the train. You and don't see it this goes anymore. back to the other thing that kills me, and that is the fact that movies are like vaudeville; they're on their way out. Move, going to movie theaters. Certainly, w- right? Certainly, you think watching. That, Mike? Certainly, watching a movie with other people. Yes, that that, that experience in some ways is dying. Uh, you know, as Netflix. And, and Amazon and a lot of these streaming services roll out so many films every week. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, it's great. They're making films no one else would finance right now. The problem is those tend to not be shared audience experiences. You're watching home by yourself. Or, I mean, some people watch them on their phone, which is crazy to me. But I don't get that either. I, but you're not, no longer are you watching in a theater full of people and everyone's laughing at the same time. It's sad. Yeah, or cheering when the hero does something. Yeah. You heard Leonard Maltin crying. on the show. We were talking yeah, about of the death of movie theaters. And in L.A., and you you spend a significant amount of time in L.A., you've still got the Cinerama. You've still got the Chinese theater. You've still got the Egyptian. The Arclight, I assume, is still. So there's there's they're, they're protecting it as best they can, and which you know, is more than I can say about New York City. Well, no, you know what, New York, okay, we've lost some, some big lost theaters. Lost the which Right, that, that's a major loss. But something like the Metrograph, which is downtown and out of the way for a lot of people. But if you, have, if you live in New York and haven't been to the Metrograph yep. yet, it's, 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 it's all older films, foreign films. 
everything's on 35 millimeter. It's beautiful. It's like, it's as if people who love movies designed a movie theater. Yeah, I should thank you for turning me on to the oh, yeah, you, because I yeah. took my wife to see Grease and it looked great. Yeah, and they, yeah. they frequently, they invite back a lot of filmmakers to come and speak at their screenings. It's really, I just go check out their website. It's, it's we need more, we need more theaters like that all over the country. Absolutely. Now it seems it. like it's either, you know, Star Wars, uh, Jurassic Park, or if it's not, it's like in a little art house theater, or it goes to Netflix. Yes, or it's, or it's made for it's right. made for television. No, it's it's it it has to be an event for everyone that the, the Avengers or whatever, and it's going to travel and it's and all these things, and it'll sell a lot of popcorn. Otherwise, well, the olden days of hey, you know, I'm just sitting around. Let's see a movie. That's gone. Gone. No, it's not. There's not enough stuff coming out anymore. It also feels like increasingly a huge percentage of the the better movies are crammed right into the last three months of the year. Oh, yeah, to get the award. Right, so they want that sort of awards traction that like, oh, it, it's nominated for this and people are talking about it for that to sort of create a little buzz. But it feels like, you know, then then you look at January through August. It's always been a dumping And there's maybe though. like yeah. four <laughs> movies you want to see. <laughs> yes. There's four movies you want to see for eight months and then four movies a week the other four months yeah but january to march has always been the dumping ground right especially yeah well you know what it's interesting now i think a lot of um the smaller distributors like a24 and sony pictures classics and fox searchlight they've gotten smart now and started to go you know what people who do love movies let's put some things people will really want to see in those first few months and not worry about the award stuff because people will go that's encouraging here's somebody gilbert that you were talking about before we turned the mic on or maybe you just you just mentioned him tab hunter yes Great character actor. Died at 86. Half Jewish. He was? Yes. Whoa. Oh. <laughs> That's Tab- our tribe. That's our tribe. And Tab Hunter yep. is such a Goyam-looking actor. Yes. Had a, wow. long, had a long career. Wow. Yeah. He was up in Santa Barbara, and we, we were trying to make it happen and get it engineered to him, and for whatever reason, it didn't come together. And he died suddenly. He was not expect. He was not ill. That The documentary so. about his life that came out a few years oh, ago. Oh, yeah. Tab Hunter Confidential. It's great. It's great. It's great. Yeah, I was going to recommend Tab it. Tab was, uh, he was one of the last three actors to have a studio contract at Warner Brothers. Can, oh, you, can that- you think of the other two? Ooh. It wasn't Lancaster or Kirk Douglas. If, were they or- also matinee idol types like him? I don't want to... Like Troy Donahue types? No. Rock Hudson? No. And that's another funny thing. There was a period of time of Troy and Tab and Rock where it was these names that no human being (laughs) had. Dash Rip Rock. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) What's the answer? uh, James Dean and Natalie Wood. Very good. And Tab Hunter were the last three contract actors at Warner Brothers. Tab Hunter having an affair with James Dean? Or with well with Anthony Perkins. Yes. Anthony Perkins. Yes. He, yes. Anthony Perkins was was a lover. Uh, he was living a secret life. I mean, it's all in the documentary and and the book. And he was also a musician. And, and yes, he was a musician. And and Jack Warner started Warner Brothers Records because of Tab Hunter. I didn't know because that. Tab oh, Hunter, that's right. Tab Hunter recorded a song for uh, uh, Dot Records. Young Love. 
Yes. Yeah. And and Jack Warner was furious. Right. That's right. And and Tab said, "Well, you don't even have a record division, a music division." That's correct. So they started Warner Brother Records for Tab Hunter. Wink Martindale also recorded on Dot Records. Oh my God! <laughs> <A little> extra <laughs> trivia. <laughs> he kind of faded away, and then John Waters sort of brought him back, and and polyester. And the and... most amount of money John Waters paid an actor to be in a movie is to Tab Hunter. I love that. He would have been so perfect for us, Gilbert. Oh, it's that's that's one of those. Mm, that's a kicker. Major. Kick yeah, yourself. major. Or kick yourself. How about John Gavin, who was sort of a leading man in the Rock Hudson movie uh, from, from Psycho? Psycho. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but also in Spartacus. And John Gavin, I mean, the two actors who look like twins were uh, Gig Young and Richard Long. Oh yes, but John Gavin definitely fits in. He could, they could have been triplets. Yeah, he was, and he was a little bit of a Rock Hudson type. Uh, a, uh, did you find this, uh, Mike, in your notes that he was signed to play James Bond twice? But Connery came back to do right after uh, you the... only lived twice. Do I have this right, or was it Diamonds Are Forever? And I think it's Diamonds Are Forever. Diamonds Are Forever. Maybe Sean Connery just hated Sean Gavin <laughs> so much. <laughs> <laughs> and then before Roger Moore was brought on, the producers looked to him again, but then insisted on an English actor. Well, you know, in a little bit, we're going to get to an actor who passed away last year who turned down the role of James Bond. Interesting. Yeah. Well, oh, wait, I wait, I, I know one. I wonder if I have that on my cards. Yeah, someone who passed away last year. In 2018? Yeah, not that long ago. Was it this year? Ooh, okay, let's see if oh, we can get to it. Yeah. Can, but I think I know. Can I say it? Sure. Was it Adam West? No, he died in 2017. No, he died in 27. We'll get to it. We'll get okay. to it. Okay. Uh, Was it Marty Allen? <laughs> <laughs> You're jumping ahead. <laughs> Here's two other names, two other sort of square-jawed kind of actors. Uh, Clint Walker. Yes. Clint Walker yes. From, from the TV series Cheyenne and also The, the Dirty Dozen. And Kill Dozer, which has come up on this show. Do you know about Kill Dozer? Oh, I, think, I feel like I've heard you guys talk it's about, about it. It's about a bulldozer that's possessed by a demon that comes to life and kills people. It was, a, it was a ABC movie of the week. I can't believe I missed it. One of my favorites. He's also in this classically bad all-star cast movie called The Finks. P-H-Y-N-X. That one is scary. You'll have to look wow. that up. Okay. If you take nothing else away from this evening. Leo Gorsi's in it. Everybody. Yeah, Johnny Weissmuller. Everybody's in and the And they all look like they died 10 years <laughs> before the movie was made. I I wouldn't, you know, if you said you dug each one of them up and propped them in a chair, I'd believe it. When you get home tonight, you're going to watch The Finks. I, I will find it. I bet it's on YouTube. I'll bet it is. It's like a scary, nightmarish version of The Monkees. Yeah, and you won't believe who's in it. I think George Raft turns yes, up. Yes, yes. Pat O'Brien. Pat O'Brien. Every actor that was that hadn't worked in, in 25 years, and they threw you, them all you into You look this movie. at them and you want to kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> How about Bradford Dillman, Gilbert? Oh, a great actor. Actor studio guy. He was in Compulsion, the, the, yes, the, the, yes, the, the Thrill a, Killers about, movie. Yes, uh, yes. Leopold and Loeb, Loeb right? Yes. He's with in, Orson Welles. Correct. He was a Fox contract player. Uh, Escape from the Planet of the Apes. Oh, the, yes. The Swarm. Wow. Uh, Enforcer. He played uh, uh, Dirty Harry's antagonist. Oh, okay. In the Enforcer, The Way We Were. And he did a, a million movies. If you guys don't know Bradford Dillman, um, he was actually uh, included in the SAG tribute the other night, the oh, SAG nice. in memoriam. Yeah. Where like, James Karen came up first, by the way. That I saw one, that. Yeah, yes. it was really a really nice honor. Is that You know, if you look up Bradford Dillman, I, he's Everything. one of those... 
when this picture pops up, you go, oh, him. Yeah, he was on the list like, maybe we should call Bradford Dillman. Yes. But this, like, list, this, this ongoing podcast list, guest list that Another I have of, like, three, 300 names. <laughs> but you don't know who's in bad health. You, yeah. You, like, like, close your eyes and, and poke a pin in the list. I mean, you're just trying to, you know, you, you call the last person you thought of. No, that's not listed on their IMDb page, like their recent cholesterol no, and like, you don't, their blood no, work. Some of them die suddenly. Uh, a million movies and series, The Big Valley, Mod Squad, Mission Impossible, Columbo, Naked City. Look him up. You guys will uh, will recognize him. Who else do I have here for character actors? How about the great Barbara Harris? Gilbert? Yes. What uh, about Barbara Harris? <laughs> <laughs> she will not be booked yeah, yeah. on this show anytime Jeez. soon. She was in The Compass Players. Well, she was married to Paul Sills. Very good. Look at you. Somebody doing homework. Yeah. <laughs> Although Gilbert impressed me. He knew John Mahoney was born in England. Yes. Yeah. That- <laughs> was that where you stopped? Was That's that it. You- was that where you cut it off? Yeah, and now I'm going home. Went to watch Matilda <laughs> May. Uh, he was in the comp- She was in the Compass Players and Second City. Even though she was invited to Second City, and at that point, uh, they had divorced. That's Which cor- is interesting. That's correct. With Shelley Berman and Paul Sand, who's around. I Paul Who's, Sand. Oh, we got to call Paul Sand. It, uh, see, if we get Paul Sand, that would be two members of the Hot Rock. That's right, because we had Ron Liebman. Yeah. Very, very good. And and was the Hot Rock written by? We'll get to him. Okay. 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 <laughs> yes, right. it okay. yes, it was. Yes, it was. Oh, so see. thing about Barbara Harris. Yes, tell me about Barbara Harris. She has the distinction of being in the last scene, the last shot of the last Hitchcock film. Oh, she's in Family oh. Plot. She is, oh, right. wow. With former podcast guest. She is the last thing you see on screen in Family Plot. You could say she ended Hitchcock's career. Right. With for- former podcast guest Bruce Dern. Barbara Harris. Great, also, great in Nashville. Wonderful in Nashville. Fun and Freaky Friday. <clears throat> she didn't make that many movies. No. Yeah, she's terrific in Nashville. She worked with a lot of our podcast guests. Keith Carradine in Nashville, Bruce Stern in Family Plot. Uh, and apparently her and Altman, uh, there was a lot of conflict on set between them. She would have been a good guest. There would have been some good oh, stories yes, there. She also, we just had Austin Pendleton on the show. We haven't put him up yet. And he he credits Barbara Harris with helping him launch his career. Yeah. So oh. there you go. She, um, she also, <clears throat> this is fun. She has the distinction. Remember we did an episode with Paul about long, goofy movie titles? Oh, yes. She has the distinction of being in both uh, who is Harry Kellerman and, and why, why is, is he, he saying, saying those terrible things, things about me? me? Which she was nominated for, I Correct. Think. Yeah. With and, Dustin Hoffman. And she's in Oh, Dad, Poor Dad, Mom's Hung You in the Closet, and I'm feeling yeah. so sick. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Also great in The Thousand Clowns. Have you seen that movie? Oh, love, oh, I yes. have it on DVD. I yeah. love that movie. Yes. Uh, you and, could, that's one of those movies where you watch that and- so much of the New York in that movie is gone now. Oh, oh my God. That's one thing we always talk about. There are certain movies where you go, oh, God. That's just like watching, like looking at old photos. Yeah, like, almost like a documentary because you're just, so much of what's in there is and gone. She now, retired. She now, became an acting teacher. Now, yeah. there's someone. She retired early. Uh, that I don't know if we've ever asked. And I forget his name. Is it Newman or something? The guy that plays his son? In a thousand clowns. I'll have to. Look. Oh, the kid. I'll have to yeah. go look that yeah, up. Yeah, he was in a bunch of movies. Yeah, I think I'll he. Have to, I'll have to look that up. He played like a young Bobby Darren in some movie. She's also in the Manchu Eagle Murder Caper Mystery. 
or the Manchu Eagle Caper murder mystery, which I bring up because it's also a goofy title, but because it played last night at the Film Forum. <laughs> oh, and it's a film that hasn't been seen in ages. It co-stars Gabriel Dell, Hunts Hall, Vincent Gardinia, former podcast guest Joyce Van Patten, Dick no. Gaudier, and Sorrel Book. Oh, wow. And it's considered sort of a lost film. And oh. they trotted it out at Film Forum. Speaking of good places to yeah. see movies in New York. Yes. Now, yes, Mr. Gottfried. Who was the other person in uh, who is Harry Kellerman? The I one? think it was I think it was Dustin Hoffman. No, Dustin Hoffman was the star, right? But the guy who played like his agent or his brother. Uh, we'll have Paul look it up. Oh Christ! <laughs> we'll have Weber look uh, it someone up. Someone fucking kill me. We'll have Weber look it up while I talk about Nanette Fabre, who went oh. back to vaudeville. Went back to it. She was she she made her debut at the age of three. She was one of those growing up. She was on TV, whatever channel you turned to. all the time. She died at the ripe old age of ninety-seven. Jack Warden. No, not Jack. Oh, he's Warden. in it. Yeah, he's in it. yeah, and, but, um, but he's not the one Gilbert's thinking of. Gabriel Dell. Gab- Gabriel Dell. Gabriel Dell. Yeah, from the from the dead. Because when kids. you said that, yeah. I thought, wait a minute, he was in Harry. You see Kellerman. how it all connects up. Directed by uh, Ulu Grossbard. Correct. Who made Straight Time. Yes. yes. Which I love Straight me, Time. Me too. Very underrated. Me too. Nanette Fabre uh, debuted at the age of three. She had a big career. She graduated the Broadway stage. She won a Tony. She was uh, with Sid Caesar on Caesar's yes. Hour, as, as Gilbert remembers. I did not know this her whole life. She suffered from hearing loss. No, she suffered from a significant hearing loss. Yeah, she did. She and she she went out of her ra- uh, way to raise money uh, for that cause. She made some films: Harper Valley PTA, The Bandwagon, which is a great uh. a great musical, Private Lives of Elizabeth and Essex. But she wasn't really known for feature films. Yeah, Harper Valley PTA had Barbara Eden That's and right. John Fiedler. Fe- yeah, Fiedler. Fiedler. Very good. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of terrible, terrible movie, by the <laughs> this, way. And she she was she played Anne Romano's mother on One Day at a Time, and she played Mary Richards' mother on the Mary Tyler Moore show. And and I because I remember, you know, with her, I whenever I think of uh, Nanette Fabre, I always think of Sid Caesar. Yeah, she's Shelley Fabre's aunt, but they but they spell it differently. Why? Because she changed. I love this story. <laughs> She was introduced by Ed Sullivan at at some event, and he pronounced it Nanette Faberas. <laughs> <laughs> and she said that's never because that's how Shelley Fabre spells it F A B A R E S. And she said that's never going to happen to me. I'm going to spell it phonetically so nobody can get it wrong. She would have had a busier career. Yes. So, <laughs> so F A B R A Y, nobody could screw up. So, the great Nanette Fabre. Uh, let me see what else I've got. Okay, quickly, these are some oddball character actors, um, off the off the beaten path character actors. Quickly, Douglas Rain, Douglas Rain, the voice of Hal three thousand. Oh. oh my god, two thousand and one. Wow, uh, a space odyssey. Did he, what, what else did he do? He not. He was born in Winnipeg. He was a Shakespearean stage actor, and Kubrick heard his voice in a documentary called Universe, and said, that's the voice. God, he must have freaked people out on the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Daisy, Daisy, 
Give me your answer, please. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was one of those guys where people came up to him and said, oh, could you please record my outgoing, oh, my, my outgoing phone sh- message? He would have made a fortune yeah. if he just said. He's also a computer voice in Woody Allen's Sleeper. That makes sense. Yes, and he was voted the 13th greatest villain of all time, greatest oh. screen villain of all time by AFI. Douglas Rain passed at 90. Connie Sawyer passed. Does that name mean anything to you? It does, and I'm 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 now She was the oldest living working actress. She passed at 105 and Jeez. she was still working. Talk about a late bloomer. She didn't start her first role was at the age of 50 in Capra in Capra's Hole in the Head. Oh. Opposite Sinatra and Edward although, G. Robinson. Although uh a Sydney Greenstreet has her beat. His first movie was at 60. I love that. Yeah. And Five wow. Finkel, I think, started late. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you would know her as one of the... Fucking to- Five Finkel would have been he amazing. He would have been great. Uh, He's gone. He's gone. Should we make a list of all the people yeah. we're not, not going to get on the show? <laughs> she, you would know her as one of the couples, the older couples in When Harry Met Sally. She right. was the She was the, the wife... I don't know who the actor that was cast opposite of her, but she started at age 50 and she did a ton of movies. She did Injustice for All and Oh God and True Grit and Bob and Carol. She worked with your buddy James Franco. She was his grandma in Pineapple Express. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, She was in Something's Gotta Give. And uh, she'd been around so long, Gilbert, that she once opened for Sophie Tucker. Oh, my God. (laughs) As did Gilbert. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Connie Sawyer. Uh, and I just saw her in an off episode of The Office playing Michael Scott's nana, who refuses. I remember that who refuses to give her money for uh, for his business his, uh, when he starts his own business. Uh, last one on this card is a friend of Gino Salamone's. We lost the last surviving Munchkin at ninety eight. Jerry Marin. Oh yes, passed away. Uh, now he went back not only because he's in the Wizard of Oz as a member of the Lollipop Guild, he was in Superman and the Mole Men. Oh, remember that? oh that, yes! That spooky super, the, the black and white Superman. That, where they were the, the, little, the little men that lived those, underground. And, and they had the same basic makeup design. And what was that? Uh, oh, it was the was, Oompa Loompas. Yeah, yeah. But, but then another. <laughs> there was a science fiction that yeah. had a similar. That was a scary. You ever seen Superman in the yes, moment? Yes, I have. Yeah, he was scary one of the. Scary episode. Yeah, he worked a lot. He got 50 bucks a week to be in the Lollipop Guild. Toto, it always bugged him that Toto got 125 <laughs> Does that mean? Does that mean he didn't get residuals? I don't know. Probably I, not. I seriously oh, doubt Gino, it. Yeah. I seriously doubt. He worked with the Marx Brothers and at the circus. Oh, that's he was right. Professor Adam. When we first started this show, we inquired about... About Jerry Marin and his health had been failing. When did he? When did he stop working? Was he- uh, years ago. We we inquired. Uh, Steve Cox knew him. Uh, Gino knew him, but he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't in good shape. Lidsville. He was the. He was the little guy in the Gong Show that used to run out throwing the confetti. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in the show. He was even Mayor McCheese and the Hamburglar. So there's a career in show business. That's uh, versatility. Really. That is versatility. I'm gonna really quickly. Uh, mentioned four, uh, four beloved TV stars, and and I think Gino said to me that that Marin once said to him, he goes, "You <laughs> oh, know, you're not going to tell that, are you?" Yeah, <laughs> oh, I I haven't taken a shit in a week. <laughs> this is why I hate traveling. That's beautiful. 
What a beautiful thing to remember him by. <laughs> that wasn't in any of the tributes. Yes. Surprising. So funny, I didn't see that on his Wikipedia page. Yes. Neither did I. It's on his tombstone. <laughs> While Gilbert tries to remember who our guest is. And what's your name? <laughs> A few words from our sponsor. <laughs> Gil and Frank went out to pee. Now they're back so they can be on their amazing colossal podcast. Podcast. Kids, time to get back to Gilbert and Frank's amazing colossal podcast. So let's go. Quick, quickly, four uh, fixtures on television. Jerry Van Dyke. Oh, yeah. my God. The great Jerry Van Dyke. Started as a stand-up comic, uh, bit parts in films. And My a, Mother the Car. My Mother the Car was a turning point because he turned down the part of Gilligan in Gilligan's Island to do My Mother the Car. <laughs> the road was, not taken. That was a, a, a much more respectable show because <laughs> his mother dies and becomes a car. Yeah. <laughs> she becomes yeah, she becomes a porter. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was a 1928 porter. I'm trying to remember the song. Um of course he was the he was the sleepwalking brother on the Dick Van Dyke show. Stacy, he was Dick Van Dyke's brother. He was on Coach. He was on Coach. Well, you know, Coach was a, was a, like a big career comeback. Right. And now, and, and didn't someone turn was, that role down and then he Am I misremembering that? Mm, that's interesting. I'll now, have to look I at that. I heard that he and Craig T. Nelson didn't get along. Really? Mm, yeah. That's unfortunate. Interesting. Inter- I prefer that to the Jerry Marin anecdote. <laughs> <laughs> Craig T. Nelson would be a good guest. Craig T. Nelson is a good idea. Yeah. Chiquino knows him from The Incredibles. Alter we'll guys? try that. Yeah. yeah. He also, Craig T. Nelson had a, he was in that comedy group, that, that Loman uh, yes. and Barkley thing with as, John Amos. As, as a matter of and fact. And Barry Levinson. He worked with Barry Levinson. As a matter of fact, I worked with all three of them. That's You did? Yeah. We Toast had... of Manhattan, a right. failed pilot. Uh, the head writer was uh, Rudy DeLuca. Right. And uh, doing a guest appearance was Craig T. Nelson. And it was being directed by, by Barry, Barry Levinson. Levinson. Yeah. There yeah. needs to be a cable channel of just... These pilots that were never picked up. Oh, just all the time. It would we're be gonna those? do. We're gonna do a future mini episode oh, good, about forgotten about lost every pilots. Every once in a while, there'll be, like, there'll be like a TV special where they'll show clips. But I know. there should be a channel and just show these it's lost great pilots. Idea. They used to do a thing at LA in Largo. Uh, they used to do this thing. Oh God, what was the name of that? Uncabaret. Beth Lapidus is Uncabaret, and they used to they used to bring people on. They'd bring Robert Smigel on. He talk about Look Well, right? Which was that Adam West pilot. Yes, and they would show them the one with Stiller. The one that Stiller and Jack Black did. Yeah. Heat Vision and Jack. Oh, yeah. You ever see that thing? I have. Um, Jerry Van Dyke, you know, after My Mother the Car, and then he failed in a second sitcom called Accidental Family, which nobody remembers. I mean, this guy gr- grinded out a living in show business. He yeah. He did Playboy Clubs. He did. He went back to stand-up. He did Vegas. He did game shows. And Coach was a resurgence for him. Uh, I love this quote. He said, listen, God knows I tried to make it earlier in life, but... With all due respect to myself, nothing I was in was any good. <laughs> <laughs> At least he knew. I love that. David Ogden Styers from MASH, oh, Major yeah. Winchester. Yes. Well, we had Alan here a couple of weeks mm. ago. Uh, nine Broadway shows, um, uh, a lot of movies. I mean, people know him really from Winchester, but he was in The Accidental Tourist, Doc Hollywood. And, and Alan used him a lot. And my connection with him was a horrible Rodney Dangerfield that we both... Is he in Meet Wally Sparks? Yep. Oh, my God. Uh, yep. 
Oh, my God. He did a lot of voiceovers. He did a lot of PBS stuff and Ken Burns stuff. Right. Uh, he played Martian Manhunter in a bad Justice League series. Speaking of lost pilots <laughs> and lost series, uh, he didn't drive. He rode a scooter all around Los Angeles. He didn't, he didn't have a driver's license. Really? And our friend Ken Levine, uh, who, worked, who was showrunner at MASH, described him as a wonderful, gentle soul. Did you work with him? No, I yeah. never had any yeah. scenes with them. How about Bill Daly from I Dream of Jeannie and the Bob Newhart show? I, I heard Died at his license plate was Hi Bob. Was it? Yeah. He That's was amazing. supposedly a very happy guy. Uh, started From Des Moines, Iowa, started as a stand-up, became an NBC announcer. Um, he met Bob Newhart very young, um, and he became a writer-director on the Mike Douglas show. Oh, Did geez. you know this? No. no. Yeah, yeah. And Sidney Sheldon. Uh, saw him and hired him for I Dream of Jeannie. And that started his career. And two years after that went off the air, Newhart brought him back as Howard Borden. Yes. The, mm. the goofy uh, navigator on the Bob Newhart show. And he appeared in six episodes of a series called Small and Fry. And I bring that up because it was written by our friend Ron Friedman. Oh, now, now. Wait, unless you already mentioned, he was in I Dream of Jeannie. Yes, he was yes. Roger Healy. Yes. It's, as a matter of fact. Doing Bob Hope. Yes, he, he yes. He admitted years later that he was doing, oh, oh Tony. He was <laughs> yes. basically doing young Bob Hope. I Mannerisms. I remember there's one ending where he's there and he says something and Larry Hagman starts laughing. And uh, Daly says, well, you know, I always wanted to be the funniest guy in the world. And then Jeannie, you know, tilts her head and he turns into Groucho Marx. Uh, there you go. Yeah. There you go. His son said of him, his son Patrick, he said he loved every sunset, every meal. He just made a decision in his life that he was going to be happy about everything. Oh, wow. wow. That's you, don't, you don't meet a lot of people in our business with that no. attitude. No, <laughs> no. I thought that I really thought that was rather sweet. Last on the TV star list is Harry Anderson, who left uh, us yeah. too young I at remember 65. it was shortly before he died. I was walking up 8th Avenue, and some guy yells out my name, and I turn around, it's Harry Anderson. No kidding, because you were on night court. Yeah, I, yeah. I did it about three times, and he was, you know, just one of these quiet, easygoing guys, a lot of fun. Yeah. And just like a fun person, He's, nice person. He sort of to. stumbled into acting. He was a magician. Right. And he really had no designs on acting. He, uh, he was a magician in his youth uh, from Rhode Island. He moved to California. He was making money as a street magician. He got booked on SNL years later just to do magic. And Les Charles, the one of the creators of Cheers, saw him and booked him on Cheers. And that led to— He was on Cheers a few times. Yes, and that yeah. led to Night Court. And he was not an actor by his own admission. He was it, good on Night Court. He was good. He made them call his character Harry so he would actually turn around when somebody <laughs> when, another, when another actor said his name. Um, and so, and I I, not young, I heard the part of the judge on Night Court was originally offered to Robert Klein. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and he turned it down. Probably kicking himself. That's a very that. different show. That's a very yeah. very different show. Yeah, he was a very, very likable performer. That's what I've got for character actors. 
So Ricky Jay doing a natural segue from uh, One Magician. Always popped up in the David Mamet films. Yeah, Mamet was well, Mamet also directed all of his one man shows. I sort saw, of gave him a career a, a career as a. I saw two of those one man shows. They were incredible. I'll bet. I can't, I can't believe I because never got was, to see them. He, it wasn't just magic. It was there. There, there were stories and history and yeah. wordplay and um, you know it it he 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 told stories about uh, con men and he did this one thing um. He taught everyone in the audience how to forge a check. <laughs> That's great. And, oh. and to this day, I still know how to do the trick, which I, I do not practice. That, but like how to forge someone's signature. Like it was sort of, um, you know, it wasn't just um, watching him do card tricks, which he was amazing at. But he also, it would involve the audience and history, the history of Times Square. Oh, it's really, we would have loved he it. Was, these one-man shows were didn't phenomenal. He throw, didn't he throw a playing card like at 90 miles an hour? He, he did. He this, broke like, a record. De- dexterity for, with playing cards? He broke a, He held the record for a long time at, at the distance thrown of a playing card. He also somehow threw a playing card and, and it would wedge into a watermelon, which makes no <laughs> sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little Gallagher. But by the way, a, touch of Gallagher. Like a pretty good character actor, too. A good uh, character you know, you think actor. Think of like yeah. House of Games. Spanish Prisoner. Spanish Prisoner is so underrated. Yeah, I love that. He movie. was on the first season of Deadwood. That's right. He has maybe the my favorite line in in Boogie Nights. He's the one who uh, turns to Burt Reynolds and says, "It's a real film, Jack." Yeah. Which is you know anyway he's and that one, oh died. so great. State and Maine. State, yeah, State and Maine. Yeah. yeah yeah Magnolia. Oh yeah, he was the narrator in Magnolia. Yeah yeah yeah. I love all that opening stuff. So that, I read that, supposedly Magnolia. he was With Patton um, Oswalt. Yeah oh yeah yeah. So supposedly he was the the youngest magician to perform a full magic act on TV. That's great. He was the first magician to play uh, to play comedy clubs regularly. He was the first magician to open for uh, uh, rock and roll bands. All of these are to his distinction. Oh yeah, because he, he played the Electric Circus yes. in New York with Ike and Tina Turner and those people. Yeah, he had a fascinating life and a fascinating career, and he was secretive about his personal life. Very. Nobody knew anything about his personal life. There's a, life. Um, uh, you know, I'll post it on Twitter after this goes up. But in uh, the early to mid '90s, uh, the New Yorker wrote an incredible profile of his life, and and just he was performing magic at seven. And I'll post it again because if you're a fan of of Ricky Jay's work, it's it's like. One of those rare celebrity profiles that just goes so deep yeah. and so smart and so we, interesting. We reached out to him, and uh, I, I don't know what happened. He, he told us to go fuck ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> and then threw cards with a playing card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said, go throw a playing card into a, into a watermelon. He also um, he also was the, the co-founder of um, a, a Hollywood consulting firm. Deceptive practices. Yes. And, and if you remember in Forrest Gump, when, when Gary Sinise Correct. is a, a double amputee, he uh, 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 Ricky Jay was behind that, figuring out how to make that look realistic in the film. They did a great job. Oh, and his partner in the na- in that company is named Michael Weber. Really? Yes. Huh. Extra deep research. Wow. Uh, he would have been perfect for this show. Yeah. We reached he, out, and I don't know what happened. He is someone you would not have had to ask any questions to. No, like some, yeah. that just uh, a mutual friend who knew him contacted me after we reached out and said Ricky was aware of the show and probably would have done it. But something uh. happened, and his health took a turn for the worse. Uh, that that would have been wonderful. Um, here here's a couple of more odds and ends. People um, or off the beaten path. Carol Shelley. Does that name mean anything to the you? The English actress. Yes, but why yes. am I bringing her up? She was one of the Pigeon sisters. Oh my God, that's wow. it. She was the that's original it. Gwendolyn Pigeon. Not <laughs> only with Lemon and Mathau in the film, in the Odd Couple film, but on stage. With Matthau and Art Carney. Oh, really? Jeez. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. She had a lovely career. She did a lot of stuff. She was in Wicked. Yeah. She was in a lot of Broadway. You know, we're we're 
we're distilling her down to, to, right. to one role that our listeners everybody gets thirty seconds extra excited about. Uh, I'll mention from the world of comic books and comic strips uh, quickly. Steve Ditko, who mm. was uh, legend, yeah, the legendary Steve Ditko, uh, who co-created Spider-Man with Stan Lee. Uh, and by the way, if you haven't seen the new Spider-Man that's out now. Uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, haven't seen it yet. It is, I better go see it on a big screen, right? See it on a big screen. Okay. It is so good I'll and so funny and so smart. It is everything Spider-Man should be in a movie. And there's a Jewish Spider-Man in it. That's all I'll say. Oh, Gilbert. Okay. You have to see it. There's a Jewish Spider-Man and he's really into bagels. Murray Spider-Man. His name is Murray Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> he pronounces it differently. <laughs> uh, also, Mort Walker died at 94, the creator of Beetle Bailey. Oh my oh. God! And High and okay. Lois. Okay. Anybody that remembers. Uh, he's the military hero of the nation, but he doesn't always follow regulations. That makes sense. At the sound of Reveille, he is here for you to see, and we know you'll laugh with Private Beagle Bailey. Beagle Bailey, as the general, colonel, major, and the captain, the lieutenant, and the sergeant, and the corporal. Very good. How about, can you give us a little bit of uh, Barney Google with the Google Google eyes? Barney Google with the Google Google eyes. Barney Google with the Google Google eyes. Apropos of nothing. Barney Google and his wife. Got a divorce. Now he sleeps with his horse. Barney Google with the goo goo googly eyes. Delightful. Uh, and this last one is for our listeners and and people. And this is a cult name, Don Bostany, or Don Bostani. He was a relative of Danny Duraney, Dara, our friend Danny Duraney, famous because. He was the creator with Casey Kasem of American Top 40, but he was the Don from Is Don on the Phone? Oh, my God! The, you know the infamous Casey Kasem? Yeah, yes, of I'll course. have to play that. We're up to our long-distance dedication, and this one is about kids and pets and a situation that we can all understand, whether we have kids or pets or neither. It's from a man in Cincinnati, Ohio, and here's what he writes. Dear Casey, this may seem to be a strange dedication request, but I'm quite sincere, and it'll mean a lot if you play it. Recently, there was a death in our family. He was a little dog named Snuggles, but he was most certainly a part of... Let's come start again. From coming out of the record. Play the record, okay? Please. See, when you come out of those up-tempo goddamn numbers, man, it's impossible to make those transitions. And then you got to go into somebody dying. You know, they do this to me all the time. I don't know what the hell they do it for, but goddamn it, if we can't come out of a slow record, I don't understand it. Is Don on the phone? Okay, I want a goddamn concerted effort to come out of a record that isn't a fucking up-tempo record every time I do a goddamn death dedication. Now, make it, and I also want to know what happened to the pictures I was supposed to see this week. This is a god last goddamn time. I want somebody to use his fucking brain to not come out of a goddamn record that is uh, that, that's up tempo, and I got to talk about a fucking dog dying. That is the best clip it's Don ever. on the phone. <laughs> Don, Don actually, but when when Danny pitched him to me, he didn't tell me that he was the Don from the Casey. Wow, I would have booked him for uh, an episode. But you guys could have reenacted it. Yeah. 
You want to do some uh, some big name actors yes, here? Yes. Yes. Uh, we'll go fast. Um, uh, Burt Reynolds. Yes. What do you got? That was died at eighty two. The man who turned down James Bond. There he, you go. He also turned down Terms of Endearment. He did. Yes. He did. And one Which, of the leads in Mash. Right. Yeah. And and the movie. and then Jack Nicholson took it and won an Academy Award. Yep. And when by the way, when he turned down Mash, he turned down Mash for. Oh wait, uh, a Stroke Race. No, 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 no. I think he turned down Terms of Endearment for Stroke yes, Race. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I meant. Also he, a bad he move. He took Stroke Race. Because uh, he, he felt he owed it to his pal, the... Uh, uh, Hal Needham. Yeah, Hal right. Needham. But when he turned down MASH, it was to do Skullduggery. Oh, my God. Oh, and then my he God. Said Which isn't a bad movie. He said afterwards, after such a wonderful, forgettable picture, I suddenly realized I was as hot as Leo Gorsi. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, That's great. Yeah, he, he oh, and then he always regretted because he posed nude for Playgirl magazine. Yeah. Cosmo and and he and he always regretted because when he started out, like you see him in movies like Deliverance, yeah, where he looked like he was going to be the next respected actor. He became the biggest actor in the world. Yeah, he was one of the top of the box office star from 73 to 84. Yeah. He was on the top I think top no 10. one's done that since five years top, straight. Top 10. Five years straight, he was the top box office star. Yeah. And I don't think anyone's ever done that since. Yeah. And he desperately wanted to be in The Godfather. And I think Brando himself said, I, I don't want <laughs> I didn't know that. That yeah. wasn't in my notes. So, by the way... Uh, he turned uh, down everything. According to him, he turned down Han Solo yeah. and John McClane in Die Hard. He, uh, he turned down the Alan Alda part in California Suite. Right, right. Um, that I knew. And then all, after Boogie Nights, which kind of rejuvenated his more serious acting career... Yes. He's, he's fired all of his agents. Yeah, he right. fired his, his handlers. But he turned down Magnolia. Right. Uh, what was the part that he was offering? It was... It was um, I, I, I guess it would have been Tom Cruise's father. It would have been... Um, oh, the Jason Robards The Jason part. Robards part. Yeah, boy, I and love that And he turned movie. that down because he said he hated working with Paul Thomas Anderson. I don't get that at all. I mean, it was, like a, it was a career resurgence. Yeah, crazy. He thought when, when he finished that movie, he thought this is going to be the one that buries him altogether and that his agents made a major mistake putting him in there. I'll tell you two Burt Reynolds movies for our listeners to see. Breaking In, directed by Bill Forsyth of local hero fame where he plays a safecracker, an aging thief, and starting over. Love starting over. Yeah, yeah. written by Jim Brooks, directed by Alan Pakula. Uh, it's with Candy Bergen. And Austin Pendleton. Yeah, oh, wow. <laughs> by the way, I, I kind of I, I like uh, Paternity, directed yeah. by a podcast, podcast guest, David, guest David, Steinberg. David Steinberg. And he didn't tell him to run less Jewy. <laughs> <laughs> like he told you. And by the way, I think you know he could be very funny. I don't. I, oh yeah, all well, these turning up in bit parts, like uh, in everything you always wanted to know about sex. Silent movie, silent movie in the shower. Remember yep. they're all yes, showering yes, is amazing. Um, yeah. He well, was, he credits talk shows like Carson as as sort of as as a turning point for him. He was cast in Deliverance because John Borman saw him on Carson. Right. Right. But he became like a funny talk show guest yes. and people realized that he could do comedy and they didn't take himself. When he passed seriously. away, I went on uh you can go on YouTube now and there are dozens of his Carson appearances. Yeah. 
And they, you could sit there for hours and watch them. He is amazing. He's he's funny and self-deprecating and yes. charming. He's prickly. He's yeah. he just he brings himself. And there's this weird self-awareness about it too that he sort of knows he's kind of playing to the crowd a little bit. A little bit. And sort of just and and you could Johnny is so delighted to have him on the show. It's really they're fun to watch. And let's not forget the end, written by the great yes. Jerry Belson. Oh. Uh, uh, we were talking about black comedies yeah. that people don't make anymore. And Dom DeLuise. Uh, so I read one crazy thing yes. about Burt Reynolds. Um, when he was coming up in New York City, years and years and years before he was a star, he was in an acting class in New York, and this was who was in the acting class with him. Okay. So try to, try to picture this acting <laughs> okay. class. So Burt Reynolds, Frank Gifford, Carol Lawrence, Red Buttons, and Jan Murray. My head hurts. Imagine that class. Wow. Wow. Burt Reynolds and Red Buttons. <laughs> yes. The same acting oh class. Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah. So, so see the end, if you've never seen it, starting over and breaking in, uh, for sure. Uh, the jury's out on Skullduggery. Margot Kidder. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In now, Lane. now yeah. Margot Kidder was in a movie that, uh, you know, you're always asking me to find movies to suggest. Okay. <laughs> you're about three years too late. <laughs> yeah. But go ahead. But she was, she was in a nice little romantic comedy. Is that Quacks Fortune has a cousin in the Bronx? That's right. I like that movie. Gene I've never Wilder. seen it. Gene Wilder. Oh, I have to see it. One of those when they used to make nice little movies like that. Is and that go, even on DVD? Is that even available? I, boy, I wonder. Oof. That's one of those things that might show up on YouTube as a freebie, but oh, worth, yeah. worth seeing. That's, yeah. I have that's, to find it. it. That's a charming picture. She was a, and she's fun in The Great Waldo Pepper, which is a movie I like. Yes. That not a lot of people. She. William. She had by. William Gold. Yes, we'll say She that. had a problem, <laughs> uh, a well publicized problem yes. with bipolar disorder. Yes, she did. Poor thing. And uh, yeah, so. She, but they, they said after that, after those crazy episodes, she went back and was doing guest spots on TV and uh, was busy. I she met, also she worked obviously with podcast guest Richard Donner. She passed away on the day that we put the Richard Donner episode Whoa. up, which Ooh. was which was spooky for us. And and I guess the the legend is when she she went to audition for for Superman, she tripped on her way in the door, which is not really what the Lois Lane character yeah. right, has it together right, is all right, about. Right. But apparently Donner was so charmed by her. And just like the poise she had to recover from that moment that he was like, he knew right away that was Lois yeah. Lane. She stood up for him too. When yes. he, when he, she went to bat for him when he had uh, well publicized and then, problems with the filmmakers. And then like got punished, right? Yes. That's why she's in Superman three for like four minutes. Yes. She said, Richard said of her, uh, the only true Lois Lane, an overuse statement, but she touched everyone she met. And he said, these are difficult words to write. You will so very, you are so very missed, my dear Margot. Which is very nice. I read something, Gilbert. You're going to love this. Uh, she lived in Montana a lot of her life, and she was there in, in her final. She's married years. to Thomas McGuane, yes, the novelist. Yes. Yeah. She she was loved, you know, the outdoors and nature, and 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 she was very fond of the wolves that lived in Montana, and and these are pretty scary animals. Yeah. You don't mess with these wolves. Yeah. But she would feed them and and try to get up close to them, and and really felt like connected with them. So she had told her neighbors. Before she passed away, uh, and one of her neighbors told this story after she passed, uh, that if anyone were to find her passed away in in her home, um, that what she wanted her closest friends to do was to tell no one, uh, place her naked body in a bedsheet, (laughs) and drag it up the canyon and leave it for the wolves. Unbelievable. 
That's what we're going to yeah. do when you go. Dude. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to leave you. I, I leave have you it some... in my will. Yeah. I, that's <laughs> some stray cats. Okay. See, on 13th that, Street. that's the kind of thing like when she was making those demands, I someone should have leaned and go, Marco, maybe we shouldn't talk about this. Well, they were probably that. underfed. Yeah. She's great in De Palma's Sisters. Yes. And Bob Clark's Black Christmas. Um, sad, sad end. Yeah. Um, uh, funny lady. Let's talk about one of mine, uh, Carol Mascarelli. Does that mean anything to you? No. You no. From the Bronx. You would know her better as Penny Marshall. Whoa! Oh. <laughs> yes. Named after Carol Lombard because her mother was a movie buff. Jeez. Yeah, but that was her real name. I don't, I, I don't know where Penny came from. Maybe it was a middle name. Um, found some very f- uh, interesting stuff about Penny Marshall. Big, big is the first uh, movie... Directed by a woman to gross a hundred million dollars uh, in the United States. That's, that's cool. Yeah, she opened doors. Yeah. She really, she really did. Big's a good movie. Awakenings is great. Awakenings with she, your old boss. I know with my my old boss Robert De Niro. You <laughs> yes. know she got she got screwed on Awakenings because Awakenings was nominated for best picture. It was nominated for best actor De Niro. It was nominated for best screenplay. It was not nominated for best director. I never understand that. And when you, yeah. And when you go back and look at the list, you know, sometimes you'll be like, "Oh wow, it's a strong field." There's a, ugh, five strong directors there. The 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 one that stands out of the five, Francis Ford Coppola, The Godfather Three. How he got nominated for Godfather Three oh, over God. her for Awakenings is a travesty. The, the, Awakenings isn't the greatest movie ever made, no, but, no, but, it, but, but it belongs in but that a really field. well done movie. Then yeah. really yeah. well done. Yeah. The Godfather Three for best director. Oh, I mean, yeah. that's oh. you could argue. I mean, the direction is one of the worst things about it. Yeah, he, yeah. He never should oh, have come God. back. We should do a whole segment we'll do devoted a, to Godfather Three. We'll do a mini three. episode about the Godfather Three. <laughs> we'll see if we can get Artie back. Uh, she. Uh, she auditioned for Witchy Poo. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> on Puff and stuff, didn't get it. She auditioned for Gloria Stivic on All in the Family. She would have been playing the, the the wife of her real life husband. Oh yes, Rob Reiner. You didn't... mentioned the Bronx. She uh, where she grew up. The building uh, on Grand Concourse mm-hmm. is famous because it's the same building Neil Simon grew up in, Patty Chayefsky, Ooh. Calvin Klein, and Ralph Lauren. And oh, Penny Marshall, oh, who oh, all grew up in the same building in the Bronx. And a Gary Marshall, and, assumedly. And Gary Marshall. And, wow. and yeah. Gary Marshall said that Ralph Lauren, his real name was Ralph Lipschitz. And, and Gary Marshall said, but he had to change it because you don't buy polo from a guy named Lipschitz. <laughs> <laughs> she did some great stuff. League of Their Own is a terrific movie. Yes. And she's going to have another movie coming out later this year, actually. Oh, that I didn't know that. She was in post on a movie, on a, a, a documentary when she passed away. She had been um, doing doing a doc about the life of Dennis Rodman, the uh, you know, oh. former basketball player, now international diplomat to North Korea or whatever. But uh, she'd been working on a documentary She because Penny was a huge sports fan her whole life. Yes, I knew that. And she found Rodman, I guess, to be a fascinating figure. So I've heard September of this year, but... They're finishing up the dock now, so she'll have one more movie coming out. Very interesting. And uh, in keeping with our recurring theme, uh, I mentioned that uh, Jerry Marin played a jockey on The Odd Couple. I brought up, oh, I and, brought up and, Gwendolyn Pigeon. Well, of course. Um, she, was, she was Myrna. Yeah, Os- yeah. Oscar she secretary. showed up, yeah. Myrna Turner. <laughs> yeah, she, she really did the voice there. Terrific comedian. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. We I think Dara, I think we asked Penny Marshall to do this show and she what so, sort of agreed. Fuck us. <laughs> no, she did not. Dara's nodding that she had agreed to do it, uh, but for whatever reason. That's a bummer. She um, said no. I spoke to Ricky J. He said don't do it. <laughs> Let's talk about some of our people who actually did the show. Oh. Um uh who we lost this year. And we'll start with Marty Allen. Okay, play the song. <laughs> <laughs> This makes Gilbert happy. This song. <laughs> hello there, hello there, hello there. Everywhere we go, we say hello there. Hello there, hello there, hello there. See, hello there. Yeah, see, that song to me is what show business. I'll means. play it at your service. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll let the and then we'll let the wolves. Well, we'll let the wolves get. Yes. <laughs> we'll leave you out for some armadillos. Morton Alpern from Pittsburgh. Did you know that was his real no. name? No. Did you know he saved lives in the army? No. And was given a full dress parade in his honor. He put out a fire, a plane that was on fire, and drove a tru- uh, drove a burning fuel truck away from the scene, saving the lives of his fellow servicemen. Wow! So he was a war hero. He was a war, war hero, and it never came, it never came up on the episode. Gilbert was just so mad that he wouldn't tell a dirty joke. <laughs> yes, because in real life he would tell you dirty jokes. Yeah, great ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one I've told ever and, since. And what I remember about him, I saw him in New York with his wife performing somewhere. With Karen. And, and then I was performing a club in Vegas, and he came in to see my show, and he said, well, you know, Gilbert Shaw... My show, so I wanted to return the favor. He was a he was a very nice person. Yes, from what I understand, forty four Ed Sullivan shows, including with the Beatles. Uh, there's a there's some great Incredible. pictures online of yeah. him with the, with John Lennon. And I think he says, "I'm Paul McCartney's son." Yes, <laughs> like that. And the audience yeah. went nuts. He had a career. I mean, he was he you know he wasn't just Alan and Rossi. I mean, they had comedy albums. They did they they were on the he was on the Broadway stage. They did that movie, The Last of the Secret oh, Agents. Oh yes, yes. Uh, and he uh, he was good to uh, to servicemen. He toured military hospitals and bases with his first wife Frenchie. Yeah, they were they were an act together and. Uh, uh, no matter what he did, he passed away the night Gino was on with us too, which was also oh. kind of kind of surreal. Uh, Gino loved him; they were close, and he would not tell a dirty joke because wow. he was one of these guys that was old school and just wouldn't work blue when the mics were on. And and I heard, I think Gino <laughs> said there was one photo uh, they wanted a print somewhere and he didn't want to print it because she said he looked bald in there <laughs> and it's like like you're a hundred you know? he was 95 <laughs> we will return to gilbert gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this how about ken berry uh the pride of moline illinois Ken Berry was on one of our oh, first yeah. probably our first 30 ken shows. berry was a sweet man yeah was that old-fashioned original show business song and dance and acting he, he was great he was great i got his number from our friend matt beckoff who helps us book sometimes and i called him at home and uh he he was just he didn't know what a podcast was didn't care i'm sure he said i'll come on I, and tell some stories let's be honest that's half the guests uh, that's, yeah <laughs> yes you're being generous i, I don't know what a podcast <laughs> and, and the host yeah yes. i was just gonna say we got we got on the phone we started talking about f troop he was chatty he was fun 
And was that uh, when you guys were still doing the show in at like the kitchen table? We did that one at yes, the kitchen table yeah. and called yeah. him on the telephone. And he, Dara recorded. He was it. charming. Yes. Yeah. He opened for Abbott and Costello. I mean, how yeah. many guests did oh, we have that worked with Abbott God. and Costello? Oh. Not too many. He was a he was a universal contract player, uh, a singer a singer dancer. Uh, really, he wanted to be a singer dancer since the age of twelve, but it, it only came for him when he won a talent competition. And Leonard Nimoy was his sergeant or his lieutenant. I remember in the Army that. Yes, who encouraged him to act, who prefer encouraged him to perform. Isn't that's that, incredible. Isn't that spooky? And and then that's why he became such a great physical comic because yeah. of his dance. Good dancer. Yeah. yeah. If you well, look back at F, then, if you look at F Troop. I, also, a lot I think of back then comedy. everyone had more than one tool. It seemed like he Well, did. that was the thing of those old performers. Maybe you weren't Frank Sinatra and you're singing, but you could carry it. Right, tune. you had to be passable at yes. everything. Yeah, you had to be able to sing, dance, Act everything. How many of those things can you do? None. <laughs> he can't do any. He can't do any. Um, you could sing a little. Yeah. Yeah. He's also in a movie that we love to talk about on this show called Hello Down There, which, if you haven't seen it, I don't know if it's available, but it's. It, that's with Richard Dreyfus. And fellow podcast guest Charlotte Ray. And he's <laughs> and where Richard Dreyfus, I think, sings a love song to a, to goldfish. a goldfish. A young Richard Dreyfus. It's a song about an underwater, a family that, that volunteers to to uh, live in a home under the sea. <laughs> <laughs> and Ken Berry's in it, and Tony Randall, and Merv Griffin. You guys have mentioned it on the podcast. Yeah, oh, before. it's just great. Yeah. It's just so bad, it's wonderful. And it, movies they don't make anymore. Um, and of course, he was a victim of the famous uh, rural purge. He was on Mayberry RFD yeah. but when Fred Silverman came to the network. Right. They got rid of all of those those corn pone and shows. And then wasn't there like a headline, like you know, Nick's Hicks flicks? That might have preceded. Yeah, oh. <laughs> you mean Hicks Hicks Nick's chicks flicks or something, something like or something that. like that? Yeah, that's famous. Um, and of course, he was the star of another show we talk about on this show. The Ken Berry Wow Show. Yes. <laughs> With fellow yeah. podcast guests, Carl Gottlieb. Oh, my God. And yes. Bob Einstein. And a very wow. young Steve Martin. And you can find that on YouTube. We uh, we demand that you go and look at that. Let's talk about our friend Will Jordan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh he was terrific. Uh, we lost Will this fall at the age of 91. Uh, right here in the, From right here in the Bronx. Local boy. Made good. And uh, we loved him. What what is there to say? I Even mean, though he wouldn't do impressions on the show, yeah. <laughs> which drove us crazy. And I I think he was probably scared that they wouldn't live up to uh, when maybe, he was in his... maybe that was the case. I mean, he was the living embodiment of Ed Sullivan. Uh, and he made he, a living impersonating Ed Sullivan. Yeah, he was in about seven movies. Ed, Ed Sullivan <laughs> and a Billy Joel video and the Teller about it. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's and, in the doors. And, Sat Mr. Saturday Night, I want to hold your hand. He's Ed I, Sullivan. I've talked about this before, but like, you know, toward the end, I visited him once yeah. at the nursing home. Mm-hmm. And and a friend of his said that he was so touched that I took out the time to visit him. Sure like he, he was. was. And, and I thought, and that was one of those also where I felt both. Very happy and very sad at the same time. Yeah, I'm glad you went to see him. I yeah. know I know. I talked to Mike Fine, too, about it, and I know it meant a lot to him that you did that. He did a James Mason, too. He yes. did a great James great Mason. J- he does and, it in Broadway, Danny Rose. 
and a right. great a Sabu. He did a great Sabu. <laughs> <laughs> Patton and I were just emailing about Sabu. And I, he did a great I, Sabu. I think he made more money of dressing up as General Patton. He did corporates and yeah. made a fortune wow. doing them around the country. <laughs> He he played Sullivan did, in Bye Bye Birdie. Did on he Broadway. do the real Patton or did he do the movie the Patton? George C. I think he did the George right, C. Scott Patton. Like, right, yeah. the real Patton had like a high pitch. Yeah, yeah, he had a squeaky Yeah, voice. he did the George C. Scott. Rumors say, but and, he, he did Bye Bye Birdie. Played Sullivan on Broadway, but he did not play Sullivan in the movie because they got Ed Sullivan. Oh, <laughs> to, to play to play Ed Sullivan. <laughs> and I remember when I visited him, and he was lying in bed, and his voice was weak. But I thought, you know. I, I should have come here with a tape recorder. Made him do Sullivan? No. <laughs> no, but. Come on, he, Will. He was lying there very weak and his voice was low, but he had these amazing stories he was telling yeah. while he was lying there. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was something else. Uh, so our love to Mike Fine and Rose, and uh, we love the guy. Uh, speaking of guys we loved and lost, your friend, your friend James Karen. Oh, mm. Yeah. Um, we talked about him at length with Leonard uh, Malton when we had him here, but uh, a, very, a self-effacing man, unpretentious, uh, really funny, one of the nicest people I've ever encountered uh, in or out of show business. I had the good fortune to call him about two weeks before he passed, and uh, he, he said, tell Gilbert I still disrespect him. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember... Like, I did some movie, another one of these movies that no one Jack ever saw. Beanstalk. Jack yeah. and the Beanstalk. Yeah. And the director knew I was an old showbiz freak. And he said, well, the actor you're going to be working with tomorrow, I think you two are going to hit it off. And, like, within a minute, it's like we knew each other for years, James yeah. Karen. Mm. Yeah. You and, had a lot in common, you know, a love of Keaton and Laurel and yes. Hardy and, and Stooges. I, I went to James Karen's house, and he had a tradition when he had guests over to take their picture wearing Buster he had Keaton's Buster, he had hat. He had Buster's hat. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, he was another episode we did at the kitchen table, Dara. Yeah, that's an early with one. Dara, with Dara recording it, and and my gosh, he was sweet. And I remember when I'd call him up, he'd go, Gilbert, my boy. <laughs> and, and, you know, people know him as the Pathmark guy, yes. but he had quite a career oh, on the silver screen. You know, and he, I mean, he's in, we talked about Hercules in New York, which he's yeah, in with Ar- Ar- the two wow. Arnolds. That's, but also yeah. never sang from my father, all the president's men, Fist, Capricorn One, the jazz singer, the China Syndrome, Poltergeist, Jagged Edge, not bad. <laughs> Wall Street, Nixon. Invaders from Mars. He had a he had a big career and, uh, and a living, lot of television. Oh yeah. yeah, and a lot of and television. and he he almost got killed by a mob and banned from show business because on the Jeffersons he was a white supremacist. Yeah, oh, he was too convincing. So the crowds were gathering outside, threatening to kill him, and then finally they what they did was they got James Karen and uh, Sherman Helmsley and Wheezy to pose together <laughs> in a picture, you know, with their arms around each other. So you said, oh, this white supremacist does get along with He's okay people. with Wheezy. He's okay with me. It was yeah. the original Black Klansman. Yeah, yeah. And here's <laughs> yeah. a story. Great actor. Here's a story There's James a Karen things. told me. 
and he refused to say it on the air. And you're going to honor him in death <laughs> exactly. by telling a story he didn't want exactly. you to tell. Uh, he was, of course, in any given Sunday. That's right. He worked for Oliver Stone a lot. And with Al Pacino and James Woods. And he said, you know, one of the other actresses in it was uh, Cameron Diaz. And one time Cameron Diaz came in and she goes, my breasts feel really sore. <laughs> and she says, James, would you rub my breast? And he did. And I thought he wouldn't talk about it. I thought if I rubbed Cameron Diaz's breast, <laughs> I would be touring the world telling people. It'd be a one-man show. Yes. Yeah. That would be an entire episode. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. feel like you owe it. To the public. And now that you bring it up, I remember his reaction when you tried to get him to tell it on the <laughs> yes. podcast. He said, Gilbert, I don't want her name on your lips. <laughs> <laughs> and what was uh, funny about him is I talked to him. And he'd get sick, you know, and be. Yeah, he bounced back a hundred times. And it's like one time he said, you know, he almost died. And he said, well, I retired. And then by the next sentence, he said, and I'm working on a documentary about Buster Keaton. <laughs> he never I, retired. Yeah, so he never, yeah. yeah he's, and he's in the, the Bogdanovich documentary about, yes. about Buster. So, and, and when I talked to him on the phone, when we'd get off the phone, he would always say, and tell your wife she has my sympathy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we all share that sentiment, don't we? Don't we? Uh, um... We loved him. We really did. Charlotte Ray passed at 92. We lost six podcast guests this year. Is that the most in a year? That's the most in a year. Wow. It's, a, it's trending It's trending and in the wrong direction. What I loved her most in, of course, Car 54. Yes, Sylvia Schnauzer. Yes. Yeah. I believe she did not get along with Al Lewis. No. And I think <laughs> she was disgusted by Joey Ross. Oh, but well, she, Joey but she, Ross. But she liked Fred Gwynn, if I have this right. From Milwaukee. Uh, she started acting at the ripe, uh, ripe young age of 16. She went to Northwestern University with Charlton Heston, Paul Lind, and Claude Aikens, wow. which is kind of fun. And she moved to New York in 48 and played clubs. She played the Blue Angel, the Village Vanguard. She told us all about it. She used to do impressions. And she did a great Zsa Zsa Gabor. Yes. She did it for us on the show. She released an album. She had a lot of stuff. I mean, these people get known for one TV character. You know, like she was for Mrs. Right. Garrett. But she that's she was a surprising guest in that way. Yeah. So. She'd and, done a lot of stuff and, and knew everyone. And I heard when she was Mrs. Schnauzer, she and Al Lewis found this rehearsal space where they would get into arguments with each other to get into character. Yeah. And one thing she said, it actually sounded like like a method actor. Because she said they're yelling back and forth. And at one point, Al Lewis calls her a retard. And she, I think she had an autistic son. She did. She had it. Yeah, she did. So she used the the anger of hearing the term retard and was yelling back at him. And and it was played for laughs. Yeah, but right, right, right. The two are. She did. She struggled with her son's health issues her yeah. whole life. And she had her own health issues, many of them. Um, she's great in, in a failed Norman Lear show called Hot L Baltimore. Oh, uh, that which, should be on that channel. Yes, it should be. Although it was more than a pilot. Oh, really? Yeah. With an, uh, another actor that we got to get on here, Richard Maser. 
Oh my good! Uh, I I once rode next to him on a plane. There you go. Did you approach him? <laughs> well, I don't think they, there were no podcasts back then. <laughs> Just say hello. She's also in Hello down there, which we want people to watch. Uh, Chuck McCann. Yeah. Uh, he died in April at the age of eighty-three from right here in Brooklyn. Mike, it's a shame you weren't young, uh, old enough. You were too young. I know to remember. What Gilbert and I remember, which was the Chuck McCann show. Yeah. And he was one Before of those classic yeah. kiddie show hosts. Loved him. That where, like, the show was made for 10 cents, and any odds and ends they found, they made a character out of it. Mm. Yeah. He was and, great. He was great. One of the founders of Sons of the Desert. Yes. Too, the Laurel and Hardy organization. Did a lot of stuff. And he was well-known... For the Right Guard commercial. They showed the Right Guard commercial during the SAG Awards the other night really? when they did In Memoriam. Of all the things to show when you have Chuck McCann <laughs> in Memoriam, the and, Right Guard commercial. Because they had that actor. famous. Yeah. Bill Fiore, Bill Fiore would open up. He was, you know, another actor. He's gone. Yeah. He was like one of those sad sack guys and everything. And he would open up his uh, medicine cabinet and on the other end would be Chuck McCann, and he go, "Hello, guy." <laughs> Hi, guy. He his his yeah, show business family. His grandfather was in Buffalo Bill's Wild West show. Oh, his dad Val McCann was a big band leader, mm. which I think he told us about on the show. He grew up in the orchestra pit of the Roxy Theater, and uh, and was bitten by the show business uh, bug. He helped create Wonderama for his yeah. friend Sandy Becker. Uh, we had Sonny Fox here, and he was in Turn On, the infamous George Flatter oh, that... show that was canceled while it was traveling the country <laughs> from New York to Los Angeles during its first broadcast. And I heard there was like a party where they were celebrating, and, and in the middle of the celebration, they found out they were taken off the Oh, air. God. Did they just turn off the lights? And what was, what was the movie that... Uh, Chuck McCann played a mute. Oh, The Heart is a Lonely Hunter. Yes. He's very good. Oh, yeah, based on the book. He's very good in that picture. He's also good in a little movie called The Projectionist. Oh, it's Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah, which if, oh, yeah. if people can find that. He did a lot of stuff. He did animation. He he was a great Oliver Hardy. He uh, he was in Far Out Space Nuts, a and, Sid and Marty show. And, <laughs> and Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Correct. Correct. He's on the first Family album. Oh, and, on meter. And he did everything on, in show business. On his guy. show, he would come out, you know, wearing a, a hat and a phony chin, and they'd play Dick Tracy. He is the arm of the law. Dick Tracy. He's got a bulldog jaw. Dick Tracy. <laughs> better do what he say. Crime doesn't never pay. There you go. There you go. Chuck and then, McCann. Then so proud to have him on the show. Come out dressed as Little Orphan Annie. Yeah, he used to put saucers yes. on his eyes. <laughs> he was <laughs> he was a, a, on on PIX local. Yeah, New York television. I grew up around here. Yeah, yeah. he was he was a force of nature and mm. uh, somebody I was really proud for. Us yes, to get. yes. Yeah, uh, you know we're always beating ourselves up about the people we don't have, and we we occasionally have to take a bow uh, for yes. some of the wonderful people that we did book, uh, especially people from our childhood like Sonny Fox and Chuck. Yeah, and, uh, that's that's a uh, that was a treat to have him. Let's uh, let's quickly get to a and, couple of uh, directors. And now he's still alive, thankfully. But it's so funny, Sonny Fox. After he did the show, uh, he he called up and he said, "When's that show gonna air?" 
And we said, I don't know, a couple of months. And he goes, could you air it sooner? I'm in my <laughs> 90s. <laughs> I think the Sonny Fox was my favorite episode. Really? Uh, until the Ron Friedman episode. Wasn't that funny? The Ron Friedman yes. one is just gold. Yes. If, if, if anyone missed it, go back. The Ron Friedman one from, from last year. It was definitely my favorite from last year. It's it's incredible. We're going to have him again. I oh, remember he had more stories. Yeah, reading a, lot more. a list of the stuff he's done and every one of those. I thought, <laughs> oh, I want to talk about that. I want to talk. And he, he wrote the um, Charlie's Angels with Sammy Davis Jr. Yes, the roller skating episode. <laughs> oh, my yes. God. Yeah. Well, well, no, this was the oh, one. Oh, that's not a different episode, yes. Sammy Davis Jr. gets kidnapped. Right, Ed Begley's in the roller yeah. skating episode. But <laughs> it's not Sammy Davis. Right. It's Sammy Davis as Herbert, <laughs> the, <laughs> the supermarket owner. And they have those wonderful, terrible Patty Duke split screens. Uh, you have to get him back just to talk about that. Right. You know what? We're going to stop and we're going to do, uh, we'll do, we'll do directors and writers uh, on a mini episode. Great. What do you think of that? Sounds good. Yeah. We'll make people pay for Stitcher to hear it. I'm one of the eight, you know, as one of the eight people who pays for it, uh, it it's worth it. It's it really well over is. eight, buddy. Uh, might be up to 10 now. Smart Alec. Yeah. It's worth it though. It we're really gonna, is. We'll do. We'll do real quickly. We'll do. Uh, we'll do writers. Uh, we'll do writers and directors because I don't want to rush through them in the last uh, in the last ten minutes of this. Sounds good. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll find some music to play at the end of this that's appropriate. Don't know what we'll pick. We'll surprise you guys. But uh, that's a lot of people. That really we just is. Covered. And that's 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 a lot of loss. Um, but. Um, as I said, we're very proud. But of, guys, of thank you for booked. doing for doing this show because really that you know we make jokes, but that's why I wore the pin because these people and their stories and their work it, it matters and and all of the stuff coming out now there is nothing now without everything that came before. So that's really what you know I why I wore well, the I, pin and was trying. You know, proud thank to you. represent what you guys do because it's I, really special. I always Sweet. remember I read in some magazine. It was when uh, X-Files was the biggest show on the air. And uh, some writer wrote, X-Files is so much better than Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone pales in comparison. And the to his credit, the creator of X-Files said, you know, I, I'm flattered by that. But without Twilight Zone, there wouldn't be an X-Files. Yep. It's the yep. same way there wouldn't be the scene in The Favorite with the orange wedges <laughs> if not for Cesar Romero. Gilbert so claims yeah, they ripped the them off. Thing. Fuck you, Emma Stone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure. I, I saw it. And by the way, it's a wonderful movie. Well, we'll see I don't it. even think she's in that scene. <laughs> yes, we'll see it. I know, but someone has to take yeah. the blame for it. <laughs> Mike, that's very, very sweet of you to say, and we appreciate it. That's Thank why, you. why we keep doing it. And uh, I hope people enjoyed uh, In Memoriam 2018. We're going to do a mini episode. Mike's going to stick around, and we're going to do a Thursday episode where we pay tribute to some writers and directors and behind-the-scenes people that we lost, which we can relate to as writers. Yeah, sounds good. So, Gilly? So, this has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal obsession. Uh, fuck me up the ass. <laughs> This has been this has been the fuck me up the ass show. Uh, we've changed the name and gotten a lot more view- listeners with the fuck me.
me up the ass show. You're listening. Uh, to, and, and we're getting a lot of old movie stars who have gotten fucked up the ass. Like uh, Clark Cable and Andy All Devine. All right, now get on with it. This has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co-host Frank Santil Padre and our guest Mayor Wubbly. Mayor, Mayor Wubbly? <laughs> Mayor Wubbly. Thank you, I'll take it. Michael Weber. Thanks for having me, guys. Okay, pal. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Schlemiel, Schlemazel, Hassenbeff Incorporated. We're gonna do Godfrey's amazing colossal podcast is produced by Dara Godfrey and Frank Santa Padre, with audio production by Frank Verderosa. Web and social media is handled by Mike McPadden, Greg Pear, and John Bradley Seals. Special audio contributions by John Beach. Special thanks to John Fodiatis, John Murray, and Paul Rayburn. 